0: This is Podcast Hello there, and welcome to a brand new episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about the movie remakes, reboots, all that jazz in general. And I am joined again by uh, a very special guest from a previous episode, the director of the short film Just a Few Questions, Marianne Kaiser. How are you doing, Marianne?
1: I'm pretty great. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Still trying to stay safe and you know, be uh healthy and all that stuff. And but uh I actually I actually got a uh, wisdom tooth removed recently, so I took taken a couple days off of work and caught up on like some movies and shows I've been meaning to watch.
1: Oh wow. I had you only had one taken out?
0: No, two actually.
1: Oh, okay, because I had all of mine taken out at once when I had mine, so that was a fun week.
0: Um, yeah, anyway. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want to get all of them taken out. I want to heal as quickly as possible so that I could get back to making money and working as soon as yeah. later, you know? Understandable. But yeah, so today we're going to be uh, talking about and possibly even defending... Uh, movie remakes, reboots, all that stuff. But first, Marianne, I want to ask you, uh, because I genuinely don't know. We didn't talk about it beforehand. I want to ask you, so the most uh, popular, or at least the most recent movie remake is the Milan live-action remake, which is pretty controversial, even since, right. uh, even since first when they announced it. Uh, have you seen it, and what do you think of it? I did see it. I actually did not
1: fork over the $30. I had a friend who was kind enough to let me use her account. She bought it on hers, so I um, watched it from her account. Um, And I actually did like it quite a bit. Um, I didn't like it as much as the animated version from the 90s, but I did like it a lot.
0: I'm not going to lie. I was really hoping that we were going to be on the same page as this one but we're not. I really did not like well, That it. wouldn't be a fun conversation if it was just, I agree. <laughs> no, no, it, it wouldn't, but I, I feel like, ah uh, like, I mean, I'm, I know I'm definitely not alone on this, but like, yeah, you're not. <laughs> I gosh. think I'm in the minority on this one. <laughs> Trust me, I actually have seen a few uh, positive reviews on YouTube and Letterboxd uh, defending the new Mulan, but I just, I really did not like it. I just, I found it to be basically like, well, they, they did change a few things, but for the most part, it's really the same tale, just told worse. Okay. I, I don't know, there's a lot about it. I didn't like. Uh, I really uh, disliked the editing. I thought the editing was atrocious. Uh, I thought that uh, Yi Fei Liu was pretty bad actually. like her like I mean it's probably not entirely her fault because you know she's uh, she probably learned English like just for this movie and probably didn't speak it that well beforehand, but I just just her her line delivery was so off. Uh, I really disliked how they got rid of the songs, they got rid of Mushu, they got they made Shang like a lot less interesting character, and what they did with Mulan herself, they, I, feel, I feel like, like the new, uh, the remake really ruins the character of Mulan.
1: So I actually heard the same thing about the editing, um, I don't really know a lot about editing myself, to really have like a strong feeling one way or another, I... I I think I can see why you, you say that and others do because I didn't really think it was like amazing or anything
0: so I'm okay with that criticism I think that's fair yeah it, it just bothered me a lot so I, I really actually uh paid a lot more attention I, re- I find myself paying attention to editing a lot more lately uh mostly because of me editing these uh podcast episodes sure and I just so yeah, like because of that I find myself and watching a couple of like film analyses videos and all that, I find myself paying attention to editing specifically mm-hmm. a lot more in film and just the just there there was there were so many shots, uh in, in there were too many shots in Mulan. Like rare, like rarely did they really focus on uh, one particular action or one particular character and rarely was there in in the Mulan remake uh, a shot that was like more than five seconds like they cut so often especially in the action scenes yeah and I was hoping that they would go along with more of a like crouching tiger hidden dragon filmmaking style where yes there is you know edit there is like there are cuts and stuff but That takes in between each uh, cut, each edit are quite long to show, uh, to sort of show off the uh, the martial arts skills and the training that the actors and stunt doubles really put in, and to show off like really impressive action. And but with Mulan, like the action sequences were just annoying to watch because I couldn't get. I'm, I'm sure that there was a lot of hard work done by. The actors and the stunt uh, people uh, behind the scenes, but like on the film, it they 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 we can't really appreciate it because it cuts between each uh, shot, each uh, camera, each uh, each, like uh, camera frame like so much that I couldn't appreciate the hard work that uh, Donnie Yen or Yifei Liu put in because Yifei Liu. I mentioned that I really didn't like her acting, but her fighting skills, her uh, stunt choreography was actually pretty good. Like, I could tell that she put in... She was doing a lot of stunts herself and that she put in a lot of hard work to yeah. make the action scenes work, but I couldn't appreciate it because I could barely see it for, like, more than two seconds at a time. Yeah, that's true. And also, I just, I just really... The, my biggest issue with the Mulan remake is that in the so the original Mulan I love and one thing that I love about it is that Mulan is an ordinary person, an ordinary girl who you know goes to uh, pretends to be a man so that her dad you know can be as dad's life can be spared and all that uh, all that. Right. And when she first starts out, you know as pertain to be a soldier she's not a very good soldier at all but then with perseverance dedication and hard work she be and also with a little bit of uh smarts she does become a really good soldier and is able to defeat you know i forget the bad guy's name from mulan i know he's a hun but i can't remember exactly what his name was but um I'm not sure. yeah but but like the original mulan i love that so much because it shows An ordinary girl becoming a badass but but in the in the new uh remake Mulan is already like so powerful and we even see her as a little kid like doing all these impressive like martial arts skills moves and all that and uh people are just telling her to hide that because she has to be a daughter not a warrior and um and I feel like I don't know, just I feel like that message can actually be like harmful to young girls because the message of the original animated classic is that you know, oh like uh, with perseverance and hard work, you can become somebody really special, a mighty warrior, but the remake it basically like is I, I don't know if I'm just being cynical or really misinterpreted it, but I feel like. The message of the remake is oh you can be a mighty warrior or uh really special but as long as you're born special or already skilled and i feel like that's a really harmful message to young girls out there because like i don't know i feel like a young girl could watch the original on and become empowered or motivated but uh they, they might watch the remake and think like, oh, I'll never be as cool as her, so why should I even try?
1: That's interesting. I didn't really think of it that way until you mentioned it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a young girl anymore, so I'm not sure how much my um, age or opinion <laughs> matters anymore. I'm, I'm 28 now, but I still felt pretty empowered by it. I guess for me, it was more of just seeing, like, the fact that she's in a situation where she's at a disadvantage because she's a woman and she's trying to pretend to be a man. That's already something that she has to overcome. It's not just, you know, the becoming stronger, um, the fighting part. It's um, overcoming the sexist ideals that were placed upon her. So that, at least, I really enjoyed seeing that. And I enjoyed that in both movies. Just the idea of having to hide who you are and having to conform to what the men say that you should be is, for me, I found that pretty cool. But I do understand, I think you make a valid point also. I didn't think of it as like the chosen one type narrative thing, which is kind of, I think, what you were going on about um would would you agree that it's kind of like a chosen one narrative now in the new one
0: yeah i just i yeah it, it definitely is a uh well i mean no well the 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 original movie also had a chosen one narrative except the original movie is so great in my opinion because she worked to become the chosen one and in the remake she already is the chosen one and i just feel like that's very alienating, alienating, and possibly a possibly harmful message. That oh, if you're not already born the chosen one, then then you know oh you're not worthy enough. And in Mulan, she she well I mean you know like like it, it was I guess looking back it is fairly predictable that she was going to be a chosen one considering she's a main character, but. I mean, that yeah. movie had a chosen one narrative, too, but she works to become the chosen one.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <clears throat> but would anyway. you say the
1: same thing, then, again, about, to get a little bit off topic, but still in the Disney umbrella, sort of, um, would you say the same thing about Rey's journey in the Star Wars sequels?
0: The thing with Rey is that it's kind of both. In Force Awakens and Last Jedi, Rey, um, I mean... They, they didn't do that great of a job like you know be obviously because with people calling her mary sue even from the beginning even from back from 2015 they were calling her they were calling her mary sue but i feel like they showed a little bit of ray really working to become this all-powerful jedi you know the last jedi and uh but then right, right. but then they gave her a oh no she was just born powerful and awesome. By making her a Palpatine in *The Rise of Skywalker*, so like I feel like they, I feel like they were going along the lines of a, uh, of a working to become the Chosen One narrative, but then J.J. Abrams was just like, no, nope, she was just born powerful. So I wonder if
1: part of the reason why they did that was because people were asking why she was so powerful with no backstory, and I know there were some people who thought, you know, it wasn't, it didn't really make sense that she was able to pick up on mind tricks so quickly, and how she was able to defeat Kylo Ren so quickly, and that's why people really liked speculating on her background, and if she was, you know, a Skywalker, or... I I know there were some very small subsets of people who actually did call it that she was a Palpatine. I I just wonder if maybe it wasn't necessarily J.J. Abrams' decision himself to do that, to make her Palpatine, or if it was like a story team's decision to be like, well, she has to have these powers for some reason. She can't just be born with powers or what. I don't know. Well, <laughs> we might I, not actually,
0: ever, I actually read somewhere that, um, that apparently the, the script for Rise of Skywalker was co-written between Abrams and uh, Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio also wrote um, Argo and Batman v Superman. Right. And I actually read somewhere that it was him who came up with the idea in the first place. Oh, I see. So, yeah, so I, I, so it personally makes a lot of sense to me because I don't think Chris Terrio is a very good writer. I think Argo <laughs> is a great film, but be, that's because of Ben Affleck. I don't think Chris Terrio is a very good writer. Nope, I have not seen Argo, so I can't comment. No. Um, but, 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 um, but I just realized uh, going further along the uh, Disney train, I just realized... Uh, Captain Marvel, Rise of Skywalker, and Mulan all have the same problem, to me at least. They all feature uh, female protagonists who are already who are born powerful. Well, actually, Captain Marvel no. Well, they they're basically already powerful in the beginning of the, in the beginning of the movie, and then they stay they they stay powerful and don't really go through any or like uh, or whatever emotional. Growth or character development they go through is unsatisfying to watch. And I I feel like, wow, I I just realized like all three of the protagonists in Captain Marvel, Rise of Skywalker, and Mulan, they're all kind of in terms of like uh, power level, in terms of already being powerful, so they, they don't really have to work hard to get their powers and be awesome, mighty protagonists or whatever what Disney, like, do, do you, but do you get what I'm, I, I know I'm not saying this very eloquently, like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, basically, all three of these movies I feel like have feature female protagonists who are kind of Mary Sue's now, and where, uh, unfortunately, young girls can get the wrong message from Mulan, Captain Marvel, and Ray. I just realized, and they're all from Disney, like, wow, I just realized, like, disney what are you teaching like and frozen 2 as well frozen 2 with elsa like i feel like a lot, a lot of young girls identify more with Elsa and anna which i think is a bad thing because yeah just like mulan and captain marvel elsa is also already born powerful and doesn't really have to try that hard to be you know the chosen one the savior a mighty warrior whatever that's really bad wow i just realized i I, but do you do you get what i'm trying to say though
1: yeah i i do see what you're saying (laughs) this is something that i've heard and read a lot for all the characters that you mentioned and it's kind of hard for me to take just because like i i just defend and move on a little bit and i want to defend ray and i want to defend captain marvel and i and probably Elsa too, although I've only seen Frozen 2 once, so I'm not as, not quite as familiar with the lore or the story as much as the other ones, but I do kind of have to wonder, like, I know sometimes if the female leads, in terms of the actors, if they don't get extremely, like, in shape or extremely buff or, you know, really clearly big action size or what, I, <laughs> I'm not necessarily phrasing that correctly, but, like, I wonder if it's compensating for the fact that so many times, at least in the past, with films and stories in general, that people have said, oh, well, it's unrealistic that the girl would beat up that guy or something. And so I wonder if it's compensation for, like, well, you can't argue with it now because she has more actual powers and it's not just a matter of size or whatever or practicality, I guess, if that makes sense.
0: If it is compensation for that, then I think that that's really lame and unrealistic. Like, like, like I, I prefer, like, I, I, like I, I, I think that that's actually kind of worse in a way because in a way you're doing the opposite of like, uh, like oh, it's, uh, uh, like I've, it's kind of a lose-lose situation in my mind because, uh, you know, before when you say, or when people would say, oh, that's unrealistic that that woman would beat up that man but now you're like wait how how is oh, oh it's so unrealistic that that woman can so easily beat up that man like i mean i mean yes part of it is you know a sexism kind of thing is a uh, there's that the sexism angle uh definitely contributes to that but and I, I don't know just like i i really i would just prefer to see like i don't mind all these characters becoming like being almighty powerful warriors badass awesome mm-hmm. female protagonists. i just want to see them you know like earn that like earn that uh way of being through you know hard work perseverance determination dedication all that stuff because i feel like that that's more and em- 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 more empowering message for uh young girls to you know see that kind of thing you know see that oh uh, through like hard work and uh, determination, they can uh, they they can uh, what's it called um, be that you know be well not you know not you know be able to shoot uh, lightning out of their hands or uh, wield right. a sword like that, <laughs> but still, but 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 become a fearless, powerful, badass woman. And I think the one exception to this though is Wonder Woman. I think that Wonder Woman, like all these other female protagonists, like Mulan and Captain Marvel, she was born, you know, powerful, like a literal Amazon goddess. Yeah. But I still think that Wonder Woman is a, an empowering uh, role, role model for little girls because of how she acts. Wonder Woman is compassionate. Wonder Woman is selfless. She's kind and uh, fearless. And I think that uh, that that's uh that's another great message to uh that, that uh, to give to tell young girls to you know oh uh, you can uh, save the day too by being fearless compassionate selfless kind and already make your powerful can satisfy you know the really hardcore feminists out there so i i, I so that's a that's a difference that's a but that's a different story and like I, I don't know like I feel like if you wanted to make Rey, Captain Marvel, Mulan, like Wonder Woman, already powerful characters, then you really have to show, still show them being, uh, show them uh, being an interesting character, featuring an empowering message for little girls out there in a different way. And I don't, and I think that uh, I don't think that moved the live-action Mulan remake or any of the other films I mentioned really did a good job unlike wonder woman
1: okay well one thing i guess i'll say about wonder woman is that since you were saying that she has a more well-rounded character because she shows she is a character who's compassionate and those kinds of characteristics i did like that also at least in the 2017 film um that's really the only iteration of wonder woman i'm familiar with um they actually showed those qualities to also be kind of negatives her like she kind of almost had to overcome them like she got really overwhelmed when she saw all the suffering in the world and it was hard for her to keep moving forward and she was just so upset with like the war and everything that it wasn't just like oh well i'm here to beat everybody up or i'm here to you know save the day like she had to actually take a moment and overcome those feelings that she had and that was pretty interesting to me i thought so i agree with you on that sense
0: yeah yeah no yeah that's uh it, yeah that's another great thing that I really liked about uh Patty Jenkins film is that it, it like it it didn't show Wonder Woman as Wonder Woman was powerful but not perfect and I feel like with Disney they're making their they're going they're they're making their female protagonists a little too perfect on the surface, but I feel like by doing so that they well, actually, I feel like by doing so, that it actually can be, again, not to sound like a broken record, but uh, present a harmful or unintentionally wrong message to uh, young girls. But I don't, I don't think that Disney is being malicious about it. I just don't think yeah. that they fully realize they're not fully thinking through what they're doing by making these female protagonists too powerful. You get what I'm saying? I do, and
1: so something that I do think is worth noting, um, I'm not sure of the implications of it, but Mulan was directed by a woman, I believe, was it also written by a woman? Let me see, the new one, at least. Yeah, Uh, yeah,
0: the, um, well, it was written by, um, a man and a woman. Okay, so there were
1: four credited writers, three were women, one was a man, and the director was a female, and then for Captain Marvel was co-directed by a man and a woman, and then Star Wars had no female writers or directors. Right. And the Wonder Woman, I believe, was a male writer, actually.
0: Yeah, um, all male writers, but the uh, female director, Patty Jenkins.
1: Yeah, so that's something that's interesting to think about. Like, obviously, I would never say, like, only women can tell women's stories, or only men can tell men's stories. Like, that's absolutely absurd to think that. But it is just interesting to note you know, who's involved with the telling of these stories and who they're they're choosing to make their protagonists and what they choose to make their protagonists do. And what does it say about them? And what does it say about the industry and the people who hired them?
0: Right, right. And that is a really great uh, uh, topic to discuss for another time, but I don't want to get yeah. <laughs> a really too off topic now. Uh, the episode yeah, yeah. is <laughs> uh, about uh, movie like remakes and reboots. We'll probably... Right mostly remakes uh, and uh, all that stuff. But uh, so, yeah, uh, before we go on too far of a, a rands or tangent, uh, let's yeah. go back to discussing uh, uh, remakes in general. And in order to talk about remakes, movie remakes nowadays, you have to t- address, which is why I asked you about Mulan earlier, you have to address the controversy behind the Disney live action remakes. Yeah. Now, a lot of people really don't like the Disney live-action remakes, me included. I don't like about half of them. I, I do think some of them are really great and or have really great positive qualities about them, which I'll mm-hmm. elaborate further on in a bit. But just these Disney live-action remakes in general, uh, how do you feel about them?
1: Um, I actually really like them. I enjoy them. For the the best majority, in fact, if I was going to make a list of all of them, I can't, I don't even know which one I would say I I actually disliked. Like, obviously, I have a if you if I put them in order, I would have an order. But I don't really think there's any off the top of my head that I'm like, yeah, that was definitely terrible. I would say the worst one was probably The Lion King. Oh yeah, I think that one was probably the worst because that one was that that one's weird because it's like it's already. It's about talking animals, so there's not really any, anything that you're changing or doing differently by making a live action version in quotation marks because it's not really live action. Like, if they actually rounded up lions and did like those Airbud movies where they make their mouths talk or something, that would be quite a feat, but that's not well, what they did.
0: So, that's literally just, impossible. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's literally <laughs> yeah. impossible. They tried to round up lions and they would get eaten. Exactly. So it's like,
1: okay, I don't really see what is being done differently. Like, it's cool though to hear different voices. Like, I liked hearing Donald Glover in uh, Simba because I think that was, he did a very good job. Um, I I, that...
0: I love Donald Glover. I love Childish Gambino, but yeah, I don't know. To me, it just sounded like Donald Glover was just sleep talking. <laughs> I don't know. Like he did. Like he. And Beyoncé just sounded like they were bored in the recording booth.
1: Yeah, I might have missed that. I only saw it once, so.
0: <laughs> well,
1: I I, I didn't don't catch know. up on it. I didn't uh, catch, uh, or what's the word? I didn't pick up on that my first time around, but I guess my love for Donald Glover just overrode it.
0: <laughs> I, get, I get that. Donald Glover is the GOAT. Greatest of all time, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> who are confused as to why I just only said GOAT. But, uh, but yeah, just, I don't know, just overall, I think that the Disney live action remakes are pointless. I think that if Disney were to remake one of their, old, their one of their older films, they should remake one of their older films that was less successful or less beloved rather than uh, their films that are more beloved or more successful, and, and I get why. I get why they're remaking their more successful films, you know, because nostalgia and money, but I don't know, just yeah. like, yeah, I, I just feel like remaking the the older films, like, like, this is how I feel about remakes in general, especially if the original is a film that's already beloved and it was already successful. I feel like by remaking a film that was already beloved and successful, it gives an excuse for, uh, whether it's an older film or a foreign film, it gives an excuse for younger audiences or in the case of foreign films, American audiences. It gives them an excuse to not see the original. And I feel like that that's bad because the originals, in my opinion, are so like special and uh, I and I and revere for a reason, for many reasons. And I feel like that by with these remakes, they're basically uh, telling people, oh yeah, oh I don't like I like, like th- there are some people who literally this who literally I'm not saying that you think this way, but there are some people who think that by uh, watching these uh, remakes they can get away with not just seeing the with not just seeing the originals but not watching animated films or foreign films in general and i think that that's really uh bad interesting so
1: my i guess counterpoint would be that pretty much all of these remakes were already of movies that weren't original in the first place the Little Mermaid is based on a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. Beauty and the Beast is based on a fairy tale from France. Actually, I think there's so many iterations of that that it's not even necessarily just the French version. There's probably versions of it in other countries. And there was, for, for that matter, there's a version of Beauty and the Beast from the 1940s that is a French film. Um, Aladdin is based on, you know, 1001 Arabian Nights, I believe is the title. Um, and there was a film version of that in the 20s, I believe. Lion King, I guess some people have said, you know, it's a remake of Hamlet, so it's very close to Hamlet. Um, And there was, isn't there another, like, animated film from the 60s that's not a Disney film that people said it was very similar to?
0: Oh, yeah, Uh, Kimba and the White Lion or something like that.
1: That's right. That's right. And then, you know, if we just go through, like, all of the Disneys from, since you and I are both 90s kids or born in the 90s, Pocahontas is obviously the story of the – historical person, Pocahontas. Hunchback of Notre Dame is based on a book. Mulan is not an original tale either. It's based on a Chinese folk story. Tarzan is based on, I believe it, wasn't there, there were there were movies of him in like the 30s or the 40s weren't there, I believe? Yeah, yeah. The Jungle Book is based on Rudyard Kipling's books. So it's just, I think it's interesting that people will say that, you know, it's not original, but it wasn't really original in the first place, technically. You know, there's plenty of adaptations of books that become beloved films, like The Godfather or Fight Club. And, you know, those are very beloved films, but they're not necessarily original. So I just think keeping in mind that these movies that you and I hold so close to our hearts because we grew up with them, other kids probably did also grow up with that story too, just not in the same form that we did. So I think if the same core of the story is there, I think that's probably, to me, what's more important than necessarily like, oh, this is a remake of something that I really liked and it's going to change my perception of it.
0: I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, that, that is definitely a very valid argument. You know, yeah, the original films uh, aren't... Uh that really original either. They did take inspiration from other works and other stories and in some cases, even possibly quote-unquote stealing in the case of the original yeah. King possibly. And yeah. that is a very valid argument to make, but my real problem, my personal problem with many of the Disney live-action remakes is that it just feels like a they copied and pasted like 90% of the original films, and then just sprinkle, and then the other 10% is just I'm sprinkling in, like, unnecessary, like, extra stuff or convoluted stuff. Like, like with the Aladdin remake, Jasmine's servants was, like, an unnecessary addition, in my opinion. And her, like, love story thing, side story with her and the genie crushing on each other was just weird to me. Because that actress is probably, like, 20 years younger than Will Smith. <laughs> well that has
1: never stopped uh, hollywood before from casting uh, older true. men and younger women
0: <laughs> it's still weird. it's still weird though
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's interesting that you say that just because like you did say you think that they're like 90 percent the same and then they add things that are unnecessary i feel like that's almost a contradiction in a sense like you're saying they're too similar but then the things that they change you don't like that either <laughs> Like, with Mulan, they t- took out the songs, and they took out Mushu, and they changed some of the characters, and they added another character, but it's not close enough to the original, so it's... It, I feel like they can't... Disney or whoever in general makes a remake is not going to win either way. There's going to be somebody who's either going to be upset that it's not a same, the same as the original, or it's too different. Yeah,
0: no, I'm, I mean, yeah, I... I I get what you're saying, and uh, what you, you what you're saying before about nostalgia. It is definitely possible that I'm just being blinded by nostalgia, and uh, and and I will acknowledge that there are things to appreciate about the the live action remakes. I appreciated um, that, like that Mulan. The filmmakers of Mulan uh, they intended even though I didn't like the film, they intended to make a very different film that actually really honored and properly uh, adapted Chinese culture. Uh, I really liked that with yeah. Aladdin, Will Smith wasn't doing an imitation of Robin Williams, but his own thing. I really yeah. like that the Cinderella remake, even though most of it is the same film, they actually added depth to both the prince and the uh, evil stepmother characters, like they actually yeah. gave both of those characters more depth, whereas in the original Cinderella, the stepmother was just straight up evil, and the prince was just a honey. And so yeah, there, exactly. there, are, there are things in the remakes that I appreciate. And, uh, and like also with the—well, this isn't technically a remake, but the Angelina Jolie Maleficent movie— I like that concept where, you know, oh, what if if Maleficent Maleficent wasn't actually evil, but just misunderstood or, like, really hurt? Yeah. And and the Jungle Book, they actually changed a lot for the Jungle Book with keeping the main story. And I actually really... That's my favorite of the Disney live-action remakes. There are things with all the remakes that I like and I or I appreciate the effort behind it, but either mm-hmm. just the execution is just not good or just or certain elements to me just feel soulless. With, with the case of Mulan, I, I don't I don't want this whole video to just be me like trashing on Mulan, <laughs> but I do have to trash on Mulan yeah. just a little bit more. Just with Mulan. <laughs> It just felt like a product like like these live-action remakes but especially mulan it just felt like a product to me It, it it felt like to me they were trying to appeal more to uh chinese culture not really so much to honor chinese culture but so that uh they could do well financially in china okay so then my question would be
1: since, like I mentioned, all of these remakes that Disney has done are based on movies that are already based on something else. Do you think if a d- different film company, like let's just pick a random one, Universal, said they wanted to do a Mulan adaptation and they're doing it obviously of just the character from the folklore, what would you think of that?
0: The same, the same thing, really. You know, Well, I'd have to wait and see. Well, I'd have to wait and see on like what Universal plans to do with the character and i'd have to wait to see the finished product because you know like the universe if universal had made the same movie that of the the, that disney made then there might be a couple of people who are a little bit uh more positive on it because it's from a different film company or whatever but Mm -hmm. i'm not one of those people i would still be just as critical if like a different studio did that
1: okay because a similar thing would be that there's other adaptations of the story of cinderella and there's other adaptations of beauty and the beast like there's i think it was 2011 beastly came out and that was like a modern version that's in high school or something and there's cinderella which was a stage play in the 60s stage musical And then they also did the Wonderful World of Disney version in, I believe, 1998 with Brandy. And Whoopi Goldberg was also in the cast of that. So, I think, personally, because I like the stories so much, I grew up on them. And I was a big fairy tale fan when I was a little girl. That, for me, I just like seeing the stories and how they can twist them differently or how they can add something. So, for me, I enjoy pretty much all of them for that reason. Because I like the stories so much that it's just, for me, I guess it's almost like comfort food in a sense, cause it's like, I, I know what I'm getting into and I know like basically what's going to happen. So I'm going to be looking more for what's going to be different or what's going to, how is this actor going to do this differently than the voice actor or how is this going to, how is this castle going to look that's going to be different than what they drew in the original film. So um, going back to the comfort food um, metaphor, it's just easy to, to digest in a sense you know, and I think there's a place for that in the, in film, like, it's okay to have films that are simple, and ones that we know very well, and ones that, you know, might be the same iteration of a tale that we already know, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, no, it is okay to have, it it is okay to have uh, comfort food movies every once in a while, (laughs) <laughs> and and, uh, yeah, and one could argue that, you know, like, oh, we, we get like hundreds of movies a year. Uh, and so why are you only uh, complaining about a couple that really, uh, that really don't matter that much? The reason why it is kind of a bigger deal to me that these remakes essentially just feel like products and disappoint me is not so much with the films themselves, but because of people's response to these films beauty and the beast mm. aladdin lion king all made over a billion dollars each and yep. meanwhile like i mentioned before there are all these mo- other movies like there are hundreds of other movies out there that are barely making their budgets back or like flopping financially and that's that's a big factor as to why like these uh like, well, remakes in general, but also, like, uh, the Disney live-action remakes, why they bother me is because they're taking attention and money away from, like, smaller movies or, like, other movies that deserve just as much, if not more, attention and money. They're taking away from these smaller films and, like, because, and, like, all my friends are talking about, like, oh, like, uh, like last year, all my friends were talking about Aladdin or Lion King or whatever. And but when I would mention like smaller films, uh, like let's say like The Lighthouse or uh, Parasite or or even smaller films than that, like uh, I don't know, like the the King or I Lost My Body, my friends would be like, "What's that?" And that just I, I don't know. That just really bo- like that just really bothers me. Like, like, like y- y- yeah, like you can have comfort food movies like every once in a while, but it shouldn't be the dominant source of discussion or uh, amongst uh, mainstream uh, movie going, movie watching audiences. And but it is, and that really disappoints me a lot.
1: Sure, sure, I understand that. I think. Part of the reason why it becomes so dominant aside from the fact that it's you know a big company and so it's going to get more publicity and more press than a smaller film company would but the price of film going to the movie theaters at least has gone up a lot for most people well it you know, it went up for everybody it didn't necessarily go up for <laughs> specific people or not but in terms of like you know if you make a $100,000 a year, like, a $15 movie ticket isn't necessarily going to be as cost prohibitive to you as it would to somebody who's making, you know, $30,000 a year, just for example. So, people who aren't necessarily big film goers, but enjoy films in general, they, it seems that in, at least in the past decade, the trends have been to go to see movies not as often as they did in the past. It's not necessarily, like, an experience as it used to be. So what happens, or what seems to have happened, is that people will be very selective about what they see, because it's so costly. So what they're going with the process that might go through someone's mind is, okay, well, I know I'm going to hang out with my friends this weekend, and we all agreed to go to a movie, but... It's so this. I haven't been to a movie in a while, and I'm probably not going to go again for a while. So I better pick the one that I really, really want to see, or that you know everybody can agree on. And so if you get those movies that are more niche movies, there's a niche, niche. <laughs> the smaller movies that have smaller um, fans, like the Lighthouse, that's not going to be appealing to everybody. And so if you're in a group of people, like you might not be able to get everybody to agree on that. Whereas a movie like a Disney remake, or a superhero movie, like, you know what you're getting into, and you're, you know that you're probably going to have a good time in general, because, you know, you know what to expect. You're not going to have to come out afterwards and have some argument with your friend about what it meant, or, (laughs) or that kind of thing. Like, you can just have a good time with your buddies. And then the same thing with families, you know, Um, It even kind of goes back to Mulan with the whole $30 on Disney Plus thing. If a family of, say, four, you know, a mom, a dad, or just two parents and two kids want to go to the movies, that's probably, what, at least $50? I'm not sure. I'm a single person. I don't have kids, so I only know how much it is for me. But I'd say at least $50 just on the movie tickets, let's just say. Like, you're not going to be able to do that every weekend. So if you have young kids, obviously you're not going to take them to the lighthouse. <laughs> you're not right. going to take them to Deadpool necessarily. Well, some might, but in general, they're probably not going to. So it's important to for them, when they're making the decision of what to see, that it's something that their whole family can enjoy. So I think that's part of the process of why... They made so much money off of these remakes because they were things that were easy, they were familiar, and they were things that still looked really cool on a big screen and they were worth going out for, at least in the eyes of the, I guess, regular moviegoers.
0: Yeah, I, no, I, I, I get that. But there are more moviegoers than just, you know, families with little kids. And because, you know, like, if if the if only families with little kids went to see these uh remakes like aladdin beauty and the beast lion king then it wouldn't make a billion dollars it made a billion dollars because uh people who are adults who uh, grew up with the original or like uh teenagers uh college students with some free time whatever they saw it as well they saw it as well and they also uh liked or loved it so it's not just families with um kids going to see these movies and so like yes definitely
1: not i didn't mean to generalize that you know the only people who saw them were but like the cost that you had you have to admit that the cost of movies like in general i mean i'm glad that amc introduced its a-list program because that kind of probably could cut down on it for some people but still even just for like a single person like me if i didn't have a list going to a movie would still cost me $15 a ticket. And I would not do that every weekend if that was the case. I, I can tell you I wouldn't. <laughs> so if I, I was going to go to the movies with knowing that I'm going to be spending at least $15, I'm going to make sure that it's something that I know that I really want to spend $15 on.
0: No, and yeah, I, I, I get that. I totally get that. Yeah, I I just, I don't know. I think that's where, I think that that's where, it, it, it also depends on, what kinds of movies you like to watch because i don't mind watch i don't mind watching smaller movies like paying 10 15 dollars a ticket to watch a smaller movie those oscar Beatty movies well it depends on you know if i'm (laughs) interested in the story or not but like you know like (laughs) i for
1: 15 (laughs) dollars
0: i I really didn't mind paying 15 dollars to see parasite i really didn't mind uh, paying fifteen dollars to see the Peanut Butter Falcon. I, I, which is all, which is another film that none of my friends talked about, even though I thought it was great. So like, yeah, like, like those like smaller films like these, like I, I really don't mind that uh, you know, like me like paying so much to see it because. Uh, even though it wasn't action-packed or, you know, like, really cinematic, I still was able to get a great theater experience out of watching them. But that's just me. Yeah. I know it's not going to be everybody, and I know that studios <laughs> have to think about mass audience appeal and all that, but I don't know. I just, quadrants, I think they call it. I'm sorry? I
1: think they call it four quadrants or
0: something. Yeah, 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 I, I, I've heard that term, too, and... I, I again, I get it, and I'm not completely, I'm not against completely against remakes in general. There are some remakes that I think I'm glad that they got made, and uh, definitely have a purpose to being made as well. But it just feels like Disney or like other studios when they remake certain properties, they care more about profit rather than like story or character. Like they'll claim, yeah. to... Like, they'll claim to care about story and character, but it ends up becoming evident that they don't.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Disney is a really big company, so this isn't really necessarily just about Disney. But, like, yeah, they are making films, but they're in the business of making films. Like, people who are just filmmakers, obviously, when they're making their films, they have a very specific goal that they want to do with the story and how they want to tell it or what their purpose is in making it. And if they make money off of it, like, well, that's great, too. Like, they're not necessarily out to make the film to make money. And then, you know, maybe as they get more successful, though, they feel like they can, you know, make that remake of a successful property or, you know, a a sequel to, you know, Iron Man or whatever, (laughs) for example. And so then it it kind of becomes like, it's almost like it's tiered almost. Like, you know, you start out as a small-time indie filmmaker, and then that film gets successful, then there used to be, you know, a lot more mid-budget films is what they call them, but those kind of are going by the wayside. It's either like the budget's $100 million or like $1 million, and that's it. There's not really a lot in the in between. But anyway, right. like I was saying, like a tier system, you start low, and then you keep moving up, and then you get more and more budgets, and then you can just kind of do whatever the heck you want and become Christopher Nolan. <laughs>
0: right. And you can
1: just make anything you want, and they'll just make you money. <laughs>
0: Right, and and speaking of Nolan, actually, I'm not, you know, like I'm not, like I said before, I do appreciate some remakes. I'm not against the concept of remaking something in general, and I'm also mm-hmm. not one of those people that one of those snobby people that's like, oh, original films only, because yeah, <laughs> I, because speaking of Nolan, I just recently watched Tenet which is an original film that was uh, very flawed and uh, doesn't necessarily warrant paying $15 to see that in a theater, even though it is very sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Like, like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know if that's really worth, even though it has grand visuals, uh, just the story was, and characters were kind of weak in it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I thought it was okay. I found it pretty the concept was very cool. I liked the concept, and I liked kind of seeing where the story was going, but so much of it was a bit muddled and confusing, and it was just kind of, like, the whole movie was just explaining what was happening the whole time, and when I was in college and took writing classes, that was, like, the number one thing they told us not to do was, the phrase they used was exposition without conflict, so it's, like, obviously, you're gonna have to explain some aspects of your world, like, that's a given, like, you can't just know, it's very rare that you can just jump into a world and understand everything without being told any anything in the background. But what the key is, is that there's some kind of conflict while you're doing it. You know, like, you're not just saying, hello, this is my castle, and I was born in it, or something, <laughs> like, really silly like that, for example. right. But, like, for Tenet, it was just, you know, John David Washington was explaining things, or having things explained to him, and then he moved to another place, and then had something else explained to him, and it was like, Okay, so the conflict there was conflict in the movie. I mean, obviously he was trying. What
0: was it? <laughs> What's the plot of this movie? <laughs> Can we figure it out? I don't know. Tanet <laughs> has a lot of issues, like you just mentioned, uh, and so and that's an original film. So yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying like oh only like people should only watch like original films and only original films right, right. by these big studios. No, like and some of my. Some of my favorite movies are remakes or adaptations, you know, not necessarily yeah. original. Okay. The Planet of the Apes movies, the new ones, that's like Motion Capture, yes, Yeah, those all three of those are great. And those are uh, yeah. that's those are all the reboot of the original films of Charles and Heston, which in those mm-hmm. are based off of a book. So Yeah. Yeah, so like I, I so yeah, like I, I I know that I'm pretty sure that there were A few people, when they first announced the Planet of the Apes reboot, they were like, oh, you know, oh, uh, the original (laughs) is always going to be the best, uh, and it's going to suck, and then it turned out to actually, and oh, remakes are all bad, and then it turned out to actually be pretty good, so. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. But, um, plus,
1: I know your most anticipated film for 2020, if it stays, is Dune, and that's a a new version of an adaptation
0: (laughs) of a book, (laughs) so exactly yeah exactly so yeah some of my favorite movies or most anticipated films are remakes or adaptations but i just you mentioned before uh the phrase exposition without conflict that's something you learned in writing class and yes (laughs) i found a lot of that to be in even in the jungle book which i really like that movie yeah didn't it bother you that didn't bother you Literally all of them have exposition without conflict. And doesn't that bother you then? Well, the whole movie is an exposition without conflict.
1: (laughs) I mean, well, let's... Which one should we... Which one should we analyze?
0: Well, all all of them. Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. All of them feature expositional dialogue that slows the movie down and is... Dialogue that's not interesting and told just to convey information to the audience. All of those movies, Mulan, Jungle Book, Cinderella, regardless of what I think of the movies themselves, all of them feature expeditional dialogue that slow the movie down rather than uh, interesting dialogue that keeps the momentum going. Well, I guess I'd probably
1: ask for more specific examples because, like I said, I don't feel like the whole entirety of the movies were like that. Um, well, neither like,
0: was well neither was Jeanette. Well, you pointed that out as a flaw <laughs> for Tannet, and yet these uh, Disney live action remakes feature the same flaw. You you seemed to overlook it a bit. Okay, maybe I did. Maybe I should watch them again. I mean I'm I'm not trying to, you know, attack you or accuse you or anything. I'm just I'm just saying that like it it I'm just saying that, you know, you know some people might be, you know, like blind like I, I'm there are there are definitely certain situations where I'm blinded by nostalgia. And I feel like, you know, there are other people who are blinded by nostalgia, but with the remakes that, you know, they really with with the live action Disney remakes or like other remakes it's, it's like you said, you know, like, there are flaws and stuff and, you know, or things that they don't yeah. like, but they're able to overlook that stuff easily because of the original story or nostalgia that reminds them so much of the original and that feeling mm-hmm. of satisfaction that they get from the original core story, if it's kept, or nostalgia referencing the original film, that satisfaction that they get from that is so strong that, they can forgive any other issues that their remakes might have, and that's just not me. And and I'm saying that 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 might be you, and that there's there's nothing wrong with that, There's, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but that's just not me. But I think that you might be subconsciously forgiving flaws that you would recognize in other films, but because you love the core stories of aladdin or beauty and the beast so much that even when you see the same flaws involved in properties that you love or remind you of stuff that you loved then you're able to forgive him a lot more yeah you're probably right yeah and 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 there's nothing you know there's there's nothing really wrong with that it's not a way of thinking that i have or i necessarily agree with but you know i'm not going to say oh you shouldn't think like that or, like, oh, you're not a real, like, film lover. You're not a real film Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just, it's just an option.
1: No, I didn't get that. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> I didn't get that impression. Okay, good. I get why people like all the remake, Disney live-action remakes. And I get why people uh, tolerate uh, remakes in general. But I, I don't know. I, I just I just, for me... I definitely prefer, you know, like original films over remakes, over reboots, all that stuff. But I, I understand why people, and well, and especially more so now with some good, very good points that you brought up. I understand a little bit more so now why people, especially with the Disney live action remakes, why they enjoy them. With the exception of Mulan and Beauty and the Beast, which are just pure garbage.
1: (laughs) Well, so here's another thing that's not related to the Disney remakes, but remakes in general. Spielberg is remaking West Side Story. Oh, yeah. And I feel like, are we, I've, I, I, of course read some people who said like, oh, that's a terrible idea. But I feel like a lot of people also, because it's Spielberg, are like, hey, if anyone can do it, Spielberg can. Or, you know, even with Dune, like, if anyone can do it, Villeneuve can. Because he's proven himself to be a very good filmmaker, and he's worked in sci-fi before, so he knows what he's doing, and he's a very well-liked filmmaker in film circles. So I just, I'm curious, like, if Steven Spielberg was the director of, you know, Beauty and the Beast 2017, what what would that have been like? Would that be different? Would we be like, well, it's Spielberg, so it's probably going to be better than most films, <laughs> or would we be like, oh, geez, Spielberg, what a sellout, or
0: something like that? <laughs> I feel like people. I feel like it would be the same reaction. People would be half and half. Oh, Spielberg's a sellout, or uh, another uh, <laughs> other half people would be saying that. Uh, other half of people would be saying, oh, you know, Spielberg's such a good filmmaker that maybe he can do it. And I think that nostalgia. I will confess, I am definitely blind in my nostalgia right now because I love the original West Side Story, which that film isn't original either. Mm-hmm. That film is based off of a, off a play. And, uh, D- yep. and the original uh, Dune movie that David Lynch made, uh, I don't think that that's a very good movie. Not horrible, but not very good. The nostalgia is definitely affecting <laughs> me here. Because if I did like or love the original Dune movie, I probably would be more skeptical towards the Denis Villeneuve version. But because the original is yeah. not that good, I and because of my love for Denis Villeneuve, uh, whatever you pronounce his name, yeah. I can I have more anticipation <laughs> for the newer one, and because. Yeah. And uh, if the original West Side Story was not good or bad, then I definitely would have more anticipation for the Spielberg's West Side Story. But because yeah. I love the original so much, I'm not really looking forward to Spielberg's take on it. So yeah, nostalgia nostalgia definitely is a factor here, and I will admit that it is a little like blind to me, and I am trying to fight uh, fight it a little, but. It, it, it's but it, it's just you know it's, it's it's interesting though isn't it like if we uh yeah. love the original or if we have reverence for it we're like oh no don't we make it but <laughs> if it's something that like wasn't that good or if we genuinely think that a brand new perspective or a brand new take can be satisfying to watch we'll give it a pass
1: yeah no i think that's that's interesting too because um this is a. I- I guess more of a personal um, experience, but I used to do community theater, and one play that I did was one called Nine Girls, and it was from the 1940s, and it was about sorority girls in this murder mystery in a sorority house, and they actually made a movie about it in the 40s, but it was like so small, like it was even hard for a director to even find it for us. And so as I was acting in it and reading it and learning the story, I was like, I'm surprised that they haven't remade this because it could be like a horror film pretty easily. And they haven't. It's like, well, there's a, <laughs> there's a property that you could remake and pe- nobody would even know because I hadn't heard of it before I did the play. I'm going to assume, and I know it's a bad thing to assume, but I'm going to assume you hadn't heard of it until I just mentioned it. And, but it's a fairly interesting story. Like I said, it's about these sorority girls in a murder mystery. And I'm surprised they remade that. It wouldn't be easy and nobody would even know it was a remake so they could probably get away with it.
0: <laughs> I, I think I think that like studios, uh, especially Disney should like actually remake like older prop for, uh, forgotten or unknown properties. Like I think that that would be like I think that uh, Disney uh, kind of had the right idea with the Lady in the Tramp remake that went straight to Disney plus. Yeah. Because honestly, I don't think the original is that good. Like like the, the original, the, the one of the only good things about the original really is, you know, the famous uh, spaghetti scene where, you know, the dogs ha- uh, share a plate right. of spaghetti and then they share the strand right. and, like, kiss and all that stuff. It's iconic. <laughs> but, yeah, iconic, exactly. But, like, it went, uh, when uh, a lot of people were actually hating... On the live-action uh, *Lady and the Tramp* remake, being like, "Oh, Disney, another Disney live-action remake? Like, really?" <laughs> and, but then I was like, you know, like the original wasn't that good, and you know, it did feature those racist uh, Siamese uh, cats, so yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, so maybe, you know, maybe let's give it a chance. And then it went yeah. straight to Disney Plus, and it it wasn't that good. So, despite, despite uh, the very good intentions, because I don't know if you knew this, but the dogs in the Lady and the Tramp remake are not only real, but Disney actually rescued them from the pounds. Yeah. And I That's thought that right. that was mm-hmm. very, uh, very noble of them to, you know, rescue these dogs and find them good homes after filming. And I thought For that, sure. you know, it was great that they were going to, with Lady and the Tramp and uh, Tim Burns Dumbo remake, that they were going to get rid of the problematic racist uh, yeah. elements from the original, and mm-hmm. also uh, try to uh, change things up a bit with how the film was presented. You know, like like, like with Mulan. Like I think that's an interesting concept of a more serious uh, non-musical take, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, film version of the story. Like, Lady and the Tramp, Dumbo, Mulan, all of these, you know, I, I appreciate the intent. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I just... Well, I mean, I haven't seen um, Dumbo, but I just didn't really like... I haven't. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have seen Dumbo? Yeah, I have seen both uh, the original and the, the remake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I just... Well, I can't comment on Dumbo, but... Uh, right. <laughs> the Lady and the Tramp and... Um, mulan i just didn't really like the execution that much sure and i, I think that, and i think that's another very important factor as well is the execution because like i i think that yeah i think that how you uh tell your story how you film it your like intent behind it like i think that that's all like very very important because like yeah, you, because if you, if you want to remake something, you got to uh, hire director, crew, cast that actually, like, wants to make a good movie and isn't just like, oh, I'm doing this for the money, you know? Right.
1: <laughs> well, so since this is kind of going back a little bit, but you mentioned Maleficent. What do you think about the upcoming Cruella
0: film with Emma Stone? they i am not really looking forward to that one because they already did it they in the, in the 90s um 101 dalmatians with um Glenn Close true this disney or disney already remade 101 dalmatians <laughs> so like i don't so why are they why are they and this time oh with a younger cruella de vil you know we're going to show the backstory of yeah, because oh. women aren't allowed to age in Hollywood, so it has to always be the younger version. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like the Cruella Deville movie of Emma Stone is basically just going to be Maleficent, but with Emma Stone and dogs. So it's just like, I, I don't know, like, like, like execution is important, but some ideas are just so like weak or half-baked that it just doesn't work. It just it just it can't work no matter how hard the filmmakers or cast and crew try.
1: Yeah, that's true. And then going off of that, also with in terms of upcoming films, uh, what are your thoughts on the Little Mermaid remake?
0: So the Little Mermaid remake. So I think that uh, Disney hiring uh, that singer, Hallie Hal. I think you know that was a Hallie very Bay sorry uh hallie bailey is her name hallie bailey yeah 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 she's uh i i uh yeah that uh that uh black singer i think yes hiring her to be ariel was a very it was it's controversial but yeah. very bold <laughs> to say the least sorry to say the least a uh, controversial decision <laughs> yeah yeah I'm one of the few people that actually really likes that choice. I actually had yeah, and yeah, uh, I'm 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 glad you do uh, too. And um, I actually never heard of her before the her casting in the *Little Mermaid*, so I was like, oh, oh, like, but I just I just relied on my knowledge that there's this uh, black singer being cast. They're they're basically casting, uh, a black, uh, a black girl to be Ariel, and, yeah. and, you know, like, um, and there's there some times where diversity casting is, annoys me, because they do it just for sake of having diversity, but I don't know, I think mm-hmm. that featuring a, uh, girl of color to be Ariel is actually very interesting, and it actually makes me not super excited, but a little excited for the, Oh the, good! <laughs> the Little Mermaid uh, remake, and also I love Melissa McCarthy, so I can't. So I'm really interested in seeing her take on Ursula. Oh good! I've actually I feel like a lot of backlash was against her too. No, there was, there was definitely. But so far, I'm really liking the casting for the Little Mermaid remake. But of course, what's yeah. important is uh, the filmmaker's intention and. How they're gonna tell the story? Are they just gonna tell the same story as the original, or are they gonna do something different? We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, but I'm checking who the writers are on it. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even know that there were any writers or a director on it. Like, I honestly uh, didn't know that.
1: They're filming it right now. I
0: think they started filming it now
1: that it's filming in uh, England, since they're able to open things in England, but not in America i think it was already planning to film in england so that doesn't really matter but they did actually start filming it last month i believe um oh so they do have a director and writers yeah the director is rob marshall jane goldman might have been attached to it but that might have been a different version
0: wait jane Jane goldman's actually
1: one of my favorite writers so i was if that's the case and she's the writer then i'm gonna be very very
0: excited (laughs) Jane Jane Goldman, the same person who worked on uh, Kick-Ass and Kingsman. Yes. Wow. Kingsman's actually one of
1: my favorite movies. <laughs> and Stardust, she also wrote Stardust with Matthew Vaughn. Uh, she oh, really? co-writes with Matthew Vaughn a lot, and I adore her. And she's um, not relevant to this conversation, but, yeah, she's my favorite screenwriter. So, Okay, so the writer for this Little Mermaid remake is David McGee. And if I click on his name, it says he's also written Life of Pi, Mary Poppins Returns, Finding Neverland, and Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day. So I guess the Jane Goldman version was a different one. There was another one that was going around a few years ago with, like, Chloe Moretz, who was going to star in it, but I guess it got dropped or something because the Disney one went forward.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the same one. Maybe originally the Disney one was Chloe Grace Moretz and Jane Goldman, but then they both dropped out. It
1: might be, yeah. They they always make like two versions of it. Like you know, even with the Jungle Book, they also had the Andy Serkis directed version uh, that was called Mowgli: Legend of the Jungle, I think was the full title. So they had two Jungle Book adaptations within like two years of each other. So they probably and even with Little Mermaid. There was one film called *The Little Mermaid* that came out in 2018, and it wasn't really like it wasn't like the Disney version at all. It was just about like I, I did see it. I was it was a very small film, and I don't think a lot of people saw it. But um, it was basically this girl, or no, the main story was this guy who's a reporter, and he takes his niece to like a, a carnival, and at the carnival they see like this girl who comes out of like the water, and she's supposed to be a mermaid, and it. It was kind of weird, and it wasn't really that well done, but it was a different take on, like, the concept of, you know, a mermaid. So at least it had that, but, yeah, the execution was not great. But, anyway, the point is there's always, like, ten versions of anything happening at one time.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but but sometimes, like, even though there are a lot of versions of a certain story, you can still tell it in a unique or different way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Star is Born, Les Miserables, Little Women, they're, like yep. – five films of all of this all of those stories but
1: I, I was gonna that, mention
0: those too <laughs> yeah yeah I actually I actually really like Greta Gerwig's Little Women and Bradley Cooper's A Star is Born I really like both those movies actually the, have you seen the other ones though I've seen all of the A Star is Born movies all four mm-hmm. I think I've yeah, yeah I've seen with uh Frederick with Janet Gaynor Frederick and uh, yep. James Mason, Judy Garland, which is my favorite oh, out of the four. Um, I agree, Barbara, that's this one. Yeah, uh, Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson, which was bad. And mm-hmm. A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper one, didn't really do that much different compared to the rest, but I still really liked it and appreciated it for some reason. The case with Little Women, though, I have only seen one other version, the Winona, the Winona Ryder version. Yeah. So I can only and I haven't read the book. So I can only compare it with the Winona Ryan version because I haven't seen yeah. any the other movies or read the book. Right. So but but yeah, I, I but yeah, so I really liked the Greta Gerwig one and the Lid Mr. Rob one. I think besides the Hugh Jackman movie, I think I only saw one other version with uh, Liam Neeson and Jeffrey uh, Rush, which actually isn't a musical; it's just straight right. up regular movie based yeah. off the novel. Yeah. Which, which I thought that I actually thought that the uh, *Lay Miserables Rob* with Liam Neeson was slightly better, but not. Neither movie is like really great in my opinion. They're just fine. My mood when it comes to. Uh, remakes or uh, reboots is my familiarity with the original uh, film or source material, and my opinion, that makes sense. yeah, and my opinion on said film or source material, and that's the case for everybody. And that's that's yeah. a, that's the beauty of uh, movies and movie watching is that not everybody's gonna agree, not everybody's gonna have the same tastes or opinions. And I I think that it's great actually when two people uh, who have very different opinions come together and civilly, uh, in a civil manner, dis- <laughs> not arguing in a civil manner, discuss yes. why one of them like like why one of them may have liked Mulan and why one of them didn't get the hints. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but 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 yeah, I just I, I, yeah just. I I don't know, like, I, yeah, so I, I, so yeah, I'm not completely against remakes being made, I just, just my personal preference is that with Disney specifically, I wish Disney would remake or adapt properties that, of, uh, lesser, of their lesser known films, or films that, like, bonds, like, I would, like, I would love to see a, uh, live action remake of Treasure Planet, oh, That would be great. That's
1: really interesting you bring that up because that's literally the movie I'm probably going to watch tonight and I've never seen it. And I was trying to see if I could squeeze it in before this conversation because I I had a feeling it was gonna come up because I've seen things on online of like fan castings of probably like Tom Holland as the main role or something. I think. I, I don't know if you've seen that, but I see a lot of talk about it and I've never actually seen it so I guess I'm definitely gonna watch it now after
0: this conversation. <laughs> I, I the original uh, Treasure Planet. I actually I really like that film. It's it's not perfect. It definitely has issues. I will warn you: the robot character in Treasure Planet is really annoying. Okay. He's definitely, he, like every like he's definitely the worst part of the movie. Well, so what are we talking about?
1: Because like, keep in mind that. Some characters that I, that others find annoying, I don't really care. Like Jar Jar Binks is considered very annoying. I don't really care. I don't think he's that bad. So if it's like that, then I, it's probably fine.
0: Then <laughs> you you probably won't mind. You probably won't mind then. Yeah, you probably <laughs> won't mind the robot character. But I don't know. I just even watching it as a kid, it's <laughs> kind of annoying. Interesting. <laughs> but but yeah, like I, I wish that like uh, Disney would could remake like like older films like treasure planet or like the black cauldron or even like the really obscure disney films like the absent-minded professor which is in black and white disney film from the 60s about a professor of science who discovers the ability to uh, fly
1: yeah you, you went real deep on that one that's
0: one that i've only heard the name and i didn't know anything else about exactly yeah like like i think it'd be interesting if disney remade something like that and and the Black Doctor yeah, I mean, is very infamous probably. in Disney history. So like if Disney remade something like that too, that would be very interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I mean they're probably going to. I know they're they've said they're going to remake Hercules. I mean they're they're going to keep doing it because they're going to keep making money. So they'll just keep doing like what you say, and they'll just find more obscure ones and just put them out. And some yeah. of them will be so obscure that people won't even know they're remake. <laughs>
0: until they're told yeah and here's where the nostalgia uh factor comes in because them remaking hercules is not a bad idea but i'm already like ew on it because i love the original (laughs) hercules a lot so it's not a bad idea it's like i i did they could get they could pull it off but already i'm skeptical because i actually really like the original hercules a lot
1: Yeah, I like it too, and the interesting thing about Hercules is that since that movie came out in, I think, 97, they've had the film industry in general, not Disney. Um, There's already been two live-action Hercules since then, at least, that I can think of. There's The Legend of Hercules with Kellen Lutz, which, in my opinion, is the worst film ever made, and there's the one with Dwayne Johnson, which I think was, what was the title of that one, Just Hercules or something? Yeah,
0: Just Hercules.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that one. But, I mean, they've already done adaptations of that, too. So it's like, <laughs> let's just add another one. Why not? Let's just get five versions of every story. <laughs> it's so fine. Saying,
0: why not? <laughs> so you're saying that The Legend of Hercules with Kellen Lutz is the best movie ever made? I'm saying if someone
1: believes that, then they have not watched enough movies.
0: You know, what? What's funny is that I uh, actually saw the poster So I I saw the poster for it and the Um, uh, trailer. And I legit thought that the trailer was fake because of how bad it looked. But then I did some more research and I was like, no, this is a real film. Wow, just from the trailer. They really messed up just from the trailer.
1: Dude, I mean... I've only, I was fortunate to only see it once, but I saw it for free. I got, like, a free pass, and it was still a waste of money. It was a waste <laughs> of the gas money that I went to the theater. It was a waste of my time. It was a waste of the snacks that I bought. Like, all of it was just terrible. And the thing that made it so bad for me, like, I've seen other bad movies or movies that I consider bad, like, R- The Room or, you know, like, really obscure like low budget movies. But the difference yeah. between those is like they are low budget and they're not necessarily like, yeah, of course they're trying to do something good, I'm sure. But like but I know that their budget was low and they were doing what they could with what they had. But like a movie like Legend of Hercules does not did not have a budget of a hundred thousand dollars. Like I don't know what it was, but it certainly wasn't low. And it's like you went to all this effort, spent all this money and it still is this bad. Like that just makes it worse for me. <laughs> Like, what happened? <laughs> Who told you this was good? Who, like, approved this?
0: Yeah, and on, and also Kellen Lutz, bad actor. Just a yeah, bad actor. Good. Yeah, he's, he's not. <laughs> I, 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 am, I, I am going to uh, wrap things up in a little bit, but uh, I just sure. have a couple of final thoughts uh, before okay. we uh, end this episode. Uh, one okay. thing that literally just came into my mind now is uh, Have you seen? Uh, well, actually, no one has seen it because uh, it got canceled before it even premiered. But they, I don't know if you heard that they were going to make a uh, Heather's um, musical, like a show on Paramount Network. Uh, yes. A musical remake of the original Winona Ryder film, which is great, by the way. If you have not seen Heather's, I have seen it. it is great, yeah. If you have not seen to anyone listening, if you have not seen Heather's with Winona Ryder, it is one of the funniest, darkest, and coolest films I have ever seen. It's it's great. Please watch it. I agree. But they they actually uh, Paramount Network, which was originally Spike TV, mm-hmm. where they originally were going to make a show. And, uh, it, and the backlash against it was so intensely strong that they, that they shelved and canceled it even before it premiered. Like people were completely against it. And yeah, and, and they really hated, uh, that they really hated the diversity casting, the fact that they cast like, uh, people in the LGBT community and trans people as the villains. Like that really right. bothered, like there's a villainous characters that really bothered a lot of people considering that uh, the uh, villainous characters from the original characters, uh, the villainous characters from the original Heathers would would be the ones picking on the LGBT right. people right. if the movie was made today. So the fact that the LGBT people were cast as the villainous characters really pissed a lot of people off. And, yeah, um, understandable. But, but I think that the concept of remaking something, but as, like, a different genre, is interesting. The, there's a movie from the 80s called Valley Girl, Nicolas Cage, and they yes. remade it They remade it into a um, – a, this year, actually. They remade yeah, I it. saw it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I actually watched a half hour of it, but I turned it off once I saw Logan Paul's awful face.
1: Yeah, that was it was a bit
0: much to get through that, but fortunately he
1: wasn't the main character. But <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that.
0: So so yeah, but but I actually think that that's very interesting to remake something, but as a completely different genre. Like I I think you could yeah. do um, a lot with that actually. Uh, Sam Raimi kind of did that with Evil Dead, where like well it's not a remake, but like. The original Evil Dead is a straight-up horror film about these dumb, horny, immature college kids going (laughs) to a cabin and then getting killed off one by one by these creatures. Yeah. But the Evil Dead this isn't um, a this isn't a um, a remake. But Evil Dead the sequel Evil Dead Two was a lot more Mm -hmm. uh, campy and darkly comical. Okay. And, uh, but, but I think that that's interesting when like uh, a remake, a sequel, a reboot, whatever goes in a very different genre, which is something that yeah, a uh, really different uh, genre. I think that's something that uh, you could, or a different tone. I think that that's something uh, that you could uh, really pull off if done right. But I personally, I did not think that Valley Girl did a good job.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, yeah, they made it into a musical, and they used a bunch of 80s songs, and it was kind of like a cute little jukebox musical. It was fine. It wasn't, you know, amazing, and it wasn't terrible, but I didn't really love the original either. I thought it was kind of, I don't know. I, my problem is a lot of movies like that, I feel like there's too much, like, instant attraction and instant love, and that's kind of, like, something that I'm like... I understand that, because obviously, like, humans are attracted to other humans when they see them. Like, that's not, like... <laughs> that's not untrue but it's like can we have like a little bit more of like expanding their relationship so it's not just like (laughs) oh you're hot oh me too okay we're a couple now like okay so that was like i don't really think they did that any differently in the new version either to be honest like and another thing that with the new one that i didn't necessarily like was the cast was like super old like god i'm Blanking on her name. It, the actress in it is from Happy Death Day, and I love her. And I can't remember her name. Like, it's really terrible. Yes, that's right. She's like 30 years old now. She might even be older than that, actually. Yeah. And it's like, does she look 30 or 35? No, but she doesn't look 18 either. Like, yeah. <laughs> and even the male lead, I'm like, there's no way that, like, this is like Greece all over again. <laughs>
0: Exactly.
1: These are the oldest teenagers in existence. <laughs> I thought maybe before, like the movie came out, like they were going to like still keep the story, but maybe they were going to make them college students, and I would have bought that more than you know than still being high school students. But no, they kept that the same. It's like okay, well, whatever.
0: Well, precedent
1: th- for this in Hollywood, so it's not like this is a new thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but to be fair, they that is an issue with the uh, original Valley Girl as well, because like Nicolas Cage. Was def was was definitely over eighteen playing a high school student in the original Valley Girl. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really? defending. The, <laughs> I'm not defending the uh, the remake. Like I said, I only watched right, right. like a half hour of it before turning it off, mostly because of Logan Paul. But
1: right.
0: <laughs> But the you know the original like well most unfortunately most that's that's a topic for a whole another episode. Yeah. Why yeah. like Hollywood casts like these people that are clearly over 18 to be high school students. Most of the time, they have to. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I get Labor it. laws, they have to. For yeah, I, I get it with, like, labor laws and stuff, but it, it just, it's still, you know, a turn off. I mean, I don't see a problem with, like... I would say up to probably
1: age 23 or 24 for the actor. I'd say that's probably probably the limit i mean some people still have really young baby faces when they're older but like if you're old enough to be out of college you're probably too old to play high school probably
0: well i'm not i'm not trying to brag but uh, <laughs> i'm gonna be 25 in two months and at uh, work people tell me that uh they ask me oh so you just uh what college are you gonna go to yeah Thinking that's cool. that I'm 18 or 19 so yeah, I, I, I think so. I think I could uh, pull off uh, playing a uh, <laughs> playing a high school. If skater. you want,
1: sure. I mean, I like I said, there's definitely exceptions. I'm not.
0: <laughs> but going back to uh, but going back to remakes, right, right. I just I think that like like I said, uh, presenting uh, presenting something in a uh, very different like tone or perspective can be very interesting and there are also remakes or adaptations where uh, for example let's say that the original film is based off of a book or whatever but mm-hmm. it's straight so far from the book that it disappointed film lovers so they could remake it uh, yeah. into uh, something that is more faithful to the book so yeah. Uh, so more faithful maybe not maybe not so much to the story, but to like the tone or the spirit of the book or 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 maybe the original source material wasn't even that good, and then they made it into a movie which wasn't that good and then b- basically, <laughs> with remakes and like reboots and adaptations it's making films in general is not easy. And coming up, and it is hard. And, you know, I I get why a lot of people are uh, desiring more and pushing for more original films in Hollywood, but it's hard to come up with original ideas because there are already so many films, so many stories out there that it's hard to be original.
1: Yeah, it is for sure. And I I can definitely attest to that as somebody who wants to write films.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and... (laughs) And from both a uh, business and a creative uh, perspective, it's easier to just uh, to adapt something or to like borrow elements from already uh, from pre-existing uh, movies or shows or books or whatever that people already love. Uh, it's easier to just take tropes that people already like and put it into your work to guarantee, you know, to uh, or increase your chances of financial or critical success you know it's easier to just uh copy and paste and uh i so yeah i i get why you know and and uh and you know many people uh don't mind that as long as like you said the core of the story or the spirit of the original is still uh, intact and so Mm -hmm. you know because of that mentality i do get why people like like the disney live action remakes or like other remakes or adaptations but i just right yeah i i just i i just wish that
1: for you and that's okay (laughs) yeah
0: it's just it's just not for me and i i would be more fine with like beauty and the beast and lion king etc if they didn't feel like to me like products or, or that they were different, or, if they, or that they differentiated uh, certain elements just for the sake of being different. Like, what was the point of making Emma Watson in Beauty and the Beast an inventor? Like, she was already a reader. Why did they also make her an inventor as well?
1: What, she can only be a reader? Well, she can only have one thing
0: that she likes. <laughs> But 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 her being an inventor had no point in the story. It never came up again. They just brought up as a quirky trait to be you know different than the original Belle from the original Beauty and the Beast. Well,
1: I believe maybe they were trying to like give her another connection with her father, like you know,
0: showing that
1: inventor. Yeah, because like if he's if he's an inventor too and. I mean, in the original, it wasn't like he didn't like his daughter, obviously. Like, they were a very loving father and daughter relationship. But I think maybe they were trying to give another example of, like, oh, look, he's a supportive father, and he's not just being like, oh, you're my daughter, you should go get married, or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I can ex- I guess I can just come up with excuses for them.
0: I get it, and... But, but I gotta say, we... That this episode is going to be really difficult to edit, because basically both of us just went on long tangents changing subject constantly i don't even think it's appropriate to call this episode to title this episode a uh one about remakes anymore because we went on a whole bunch of tangents and stuff maybe you should break it up (laughs) but but i still but i still really enjoyed it and i want to thank you again marianne for uh being on the podcast and for uh sharing a whole new different perspective on remakes and and bring up thing points I didn't even consider previously
1: yeah no thank you you did the same I I had a I kind of went into it thinking it was going to go one way and then it didn't so I'm, I'm really glad that we had this discussion
0: but was I able to convince you that Beauty and the Beast and Mulan are not worthy of being liked are not worth what not worthy of being liked at all no absolutely not i kid i kid (laughs) but uh but but uh seriously uh thank you marianne uh i uh i uh, hope that uh i can have you again on the podcast sure i would love to yeah and uh next time uh guaranteed will be uh more much more on topic and less of uh changing a subject and going on random
1: sure (laughs) speak for yourself I, I'm not making any
0: promises <laughs> No you're good and uh, I want to thank I want to thank you guys uh, listening out there uh, thank you guys for uh, listening to uh, another episode of my podcast podcast racing I hope that uh, all of you are uh, doing well staying safe social distancing wearing masks and all that and uh, yep, agreed. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you do decide, especially do so, if you decide to go to a theater, uh, stay safe. And yeah, I'll see you guys in next week's episode. Bye.